same phenomenon that there was all this energy at companies among employees to, to do good. I think we all want to do good. I think we all look back at our year, say, at the end of the year and say, man, I really wish I would have given a little bit more money or a little bit more of my time to do right by my community. Hey, friend, it's David Novinsky here in New York City. I've personally felt the energy, satisfaction, and impact from leading charity races with Team Nabinsky and the Boo Run for Life race in Washington, D.C. Leading like this is such a great way, an important way to take ownership of your portfolio career. This podcast is with Matt Amafatano. He is the executive director of Raised by Us. When I first learned about Raised by Us, I was really interested given my experience with Team Team Nabinsky. I was so curious to hear more about it and its platform for people in the workforce to have more meaning that their work, career, with workplace philanthropy and social good. After hearing more and initially talking to Matt, I thought his professional journey from Wall Street to Raised by Us was really fascinating. And I really connected to his personal story that you'll hear here as well. Special thanks to Natalie Sportelli for initially introducing us. Natalie is very active and helpful on Twitter at N underscore Sportelli, S-P-O-R-T-E-L-L-I. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Matt. Well, so Matt, if we were to go to an event tonight, how do you typically introduce yourself? Sure. My name's Matt. I am the eldest of four kids with three little sisters and a recent fiance. Going to get married in March. In addition to that, I'm the executive director of a nonprofit that sets up and runs employee giving and volunteering programs for high growth companies. Depending on who I'm talking to, some cases that includes my dad, you have to explain why people give and volunteer at companies to begin with. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But uh, suffice it to say, if this is a millennial heavy event, I think most folks will get it and we'll dive into that a little bit. And other than that, I end up spending a lot of time talking about the Mets and the Jets, which is not very fun either. Great. One thing what I would love to do, just kind of uh, setting the stage here a little bit for Portfolio Career Podcast, and I'm really inspired by a lot of your work from you know leaving corporate finance um, and Wall Street to now just having more uh, impact and for, for, for yourself and for this company, Raised by Us, and then also for a lot of people. And one thing that I love about Raised by Us is you're almost empowering other people mm-hmm. to become leaders, to uh, to lead, to organize, and to kind of develop on them on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'd love to learn just you know kind of how Raised by how you got involved with Raised by Us, and and then we can dive into a little bit more. Sure. So I'll start with my story. I worked in finance for a bunch of years most recently at a small startup called Goldman Sachs. And a big part of my experience in my years after college was anchored by stuff that happened when I was in college. When I was a senior, my mom passed away suddenly from a heart attack. She was 49 at the time. 
and in the years after my family and I, we spent a lot of time fundraising for the American Heart Association. AHA, a lot of people know from Jump Rope for Heart, it's a giant grant maker, and they give money to a lot of different labs that do a lot of research, a lot of different programs that support folks. Some of the money that they give goes to researching why women under 50 can have heart attacks, even though they're relatively rare, and why they're often fatal. And so we spent years going up and down the East Coast, doing heart walks and runs. We cobbled together people on Facebook to raise a couple bucks. I think at one point, one of my little sisters even sold t-shirts mm -hmm. just to raise a couple extra dollars. I could show you some pictures. And when all was said and done, we probably raised $5,000, $10,000, which by the way, not to be pejorative, it, it's real money. And I can tell you now from the nonprofit side, when nonprofit people tell you that every dollar matters, it, it's true. But I think you and I can both agree that it's not going to cure heart disease anytime soon. So in the back of my mind, while I was working in finance, I thought to myself, you know, there's got to be a better mousetrap almost. There's got to be a better way for individual people to raise really important resources for causes that mean something to them. At the same time, Raised by Us was started. It was started by, by two folks who remain on our board of directors. They always had full-time jobs. They worked at high-growth companies and found a slightly slightly different problem set, but linked to the same phenomenon that there was all this energy at companies among employees to, to do good. I think we all want to do good. I think we all look back at our year, say at the end of the year and say, man, I, I really wish I would have given a little bit more money or a little bit more of my time to do right by my community. And we lose track of that a lot. Uh, I got mildly obsessed with the idea that workplace philanthropy, that programs at the workplace, when done effectively, could be really helpful. Not just in engaging those folks to do things, make them feel better, but, but the collective power of that meant tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars for causes that mean something. This was the mousetrap that would... Mm -hmm connect me back to the to the things that always sort of bug me and uh i i happen to be sitting at uh at a seat at a big company where this type of work was already being done you know, by and large if you work at an enterprise size company around the world today there are entire corporate social responsibility teams that are focused on this work and make it really easy for folks to do things like volunteer with their coworkers and give money to causes that they care about and match it. But if you're one of the millions of people that work at a, at a small or medium sized business, a middle market sized company, or in our case, a, a high growth company, you want to do these things. Your employer might want to provide them to you. Uh, but in a lot of cases, just simply lack the infrastructure mm -hmm. to make it happen. So, so that's, that's where raised by us comes in. That's, that's our hope. We hope that we could be that program and in doing so, you're, you're unlocking a ton of philanthropy through the workplace and creating lifelong philanthropic habits for, for tons and tons of people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and so you talked about this collective power inside companies. Uh, 
you're, you're bringing together all these, not just, not just the people, but the ideas and creating a platform for people to have their cause be for more people to then hook onto that. Yeah. 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 So I, I think simply we're, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We recognize, and this was something that came up. We were lucky enough to be invited to the Gates Foundation Greater Giving Summit earlier this year, and, and the ideas forty-two folks who were really focused on behavioral economics, as it as it, including how it pertains to giving. We'll talk to you about. They'll say giving exists on a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, folks give because of community. A good example there is your kids' PTA. PTA is doing a drive. Folks line up. They're going to hand in their their twenty bucks, their fifty bucks. You're going to do it because other people that you are affiliated with, uh, other parents in the group, your neighbors, your partner, they're doing it too. You're not probably going to ask a lot of questions. There are probably some people that do, but for the most part, you're not going to ask a lot of questions about the kids' soccer team or the PTA and like where the dollars are being spent, but you're doing it because there's social proof. There's people around you. On the other end of the spectrum is the more cerebral giving, right? Uh, you care about gun control, and that's a really important cause to you. And so you set out to write a check to have some impact on the gun control space. You'll do some due diligence on organizations doing that work, and that's something that's really important to you. It, it, it could be, it, it, you could be writing that check as an individual. Our program is designed to meet people in both places because... We think that that helps capture the most number of opportunities that we can when people go to give, right? So on the community piece, we recognize that the workplace can be a very, very strong community and can create a lot of social proof. So imagine the proxy there being giving campaigns. So uh, company rallies around causes that are important to that company. Casper, for instance, has a Casper fund. It has seven nonprofits in it that are their, their public nonprofit partners. They're associated with their mission of sleep, and folks who work there care a lot about that, that work and want to support it collectively. On the other hand, we also feel strongly that you need to meet people where they're at, right? And so if I'm that same person at Casper... I could be very motivated by the work of my company and my colleagues, but at the same time, I could also care a lot about gun control. And what we've done as a program is we deliver optionality in two ways. One, we're pushing events, activations, and campaigns throughout the year focused on mostly calendar-based activations. So we'll do volunteering and giving for Pride Month, for Back to School, for Giving Tuesday, hopefully casting a wide enough net so that throughout the year, there's going to be things that we're capturing your more cerebral giving. We also are very focused on creating optionality for folks in between all these activations. So through our technology partners, folks at the workplace can do things like give to any charity that they care about. But we give companies the tools to match those donations or give them credits to give to those causes. Uh, we're also focused on sourcing as many volunteer opportunities as possible so that uh, folks can, can identify new opportunities for 
for, for themselves, maybe one or two other people. So it's that combination of the two that we think uh, leads to the most engagement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then are you seeing at Casper and many of the companies that you work for work with, one thing that I really love about this is it's really employees don't need to like, I guess hide's not the right word, but a lot of times with either side projects or sometimes they're just not as comfortable because they're like, well, what is my boss going to say? And, you know, uh, I don't want them to think that I'm not working as much as they'd like me to do, but you know, then on the weekends they go then do this. But it seems like what you're, what you're doing here is empowering employees to then bring these conversations forward and say, these are, these are the initiatives that I care about. These are the causes that I care about. And hopefully, I guess my, my guess is that this will hopefully keep employees more engaged at the companies. Totally. Yeah. Our program is largely driven by ambassadorship. When we start an engagement, we're usually brought on by some decision maker at the organization. It might be a CEO. It might be a head of HR. But the first thing we'll ask for is a group of fired up folks in the business that really like to give back. A lot of companies already have this. They have a give back committee or a blank blank cares committee. What we find is that that's the most effective way to both get the word out about the things that we're doing and, and two, get participation because people at these companies, we, we represent something like 12,000 employees across the program. They don't know who I am or the rest of our team is, and that's fine. They, they do know who their coworkers are and, and they're very motivated by the, the relationship between them. Um, because we're largely an ambassador model, it also means that the type of programming that we do at every company is then largely dictated by the things that are interesting to the motivated people at that company, right? So stuff organically gets to bubble up, to your point. And so now when we're thinking about a year-long engagement with company X, it's, it's largely based on, well, what are the organizations and what are the cause areas that people are really focused on here? And let's just go and, and deliver that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you mentioned the ambassadors, you mentioned the committees, the give back groups, and you also earlier talked about high growth companies. Are you, uh, and I've heard you also talk about kind of next gen employers. Are you starting to see a shift of companies uh, or talk to me about the shifts that you're starting to see in companies that are fostering and encouraging this type of behavior Uh uh, to keep, um, to keep employees there? Yeah. Well, the space that we're operating in currently, which, as you mentioned, is largely a high-growth tech, I I use my quotation fingers because I think a lot of companies now are tech-enabled, right? That space has been a helpful place to start because these are companies that usually define themselves as mission-driven or mission-oriented. And so I think when you're coming in and giving the pitch on why this is important, you can imagine us now maybe skipping a step because these companies already bought into the value prop of of the impact on the world. That said, and I think we've talked about this in the past, I I used to be in a hedge fund sales seat. I think that hedge funds, just as one very small component of the finance industry, right, within asset management, are are built a lot like the startups that we have in our program. They're lean organizations. They're from an operations side, that's a it's a drag on on their 
business, it's overhead, right? Those are folks that aren't involved in the in investment decision-making process. And so they keep those lean, a lot like a venture-backed company would. They, they, in a lot of cases, don't have a big HR team. HR might report up into a CFO or COO. And so the pain points are very similar. In, internal organizing of anything is really hard. Uh, when, when I first started on the project a couple of years back, one of the first things I did was I sat down with a couple of my old customers, maybe with your friends and said, what, what do you think about this program? What if we came in and did giving with you and did volunteering with you? I think the attitude there was like how you imagine philanthropy being done decades ago up until now, right? It's like, well, uh, we really want to buy the table at the gala. And if somebody who works here <laughs> wants to join the board, then we'll write a check, which is great, right? Like that's very helpful to nonprofits. It's great, but but there wasn't a lot of buy-in, I think, into let's have a giving campaign here. Like let's all go have a day of service. It was like a bit anathema. Now though, and I'll tell you, like we, we've had some recent meetings with, with even some of the same companies and it's remarkable in just a couple of years how the attitude has changed, hmm. where I think companies are, even if you're not one of these high growth tech companies, are really bought into this idea that engagement in impact has to be year round. It can't be one off. I think, I think the next generation of employees is demanding that that be part of their work experience. And I'm really encouraged by this idea that this raised by us model could work across many different industries and not just the one that we're in. I'll give you one more example and I'll pause there. We, we do have a real estate investment trust business that's in our program. They're, they're one of the lone non tech companies that we work with. They have 75, 80% engagement with our program. They have 80% of people mm -hmm. every year that they give to a charity of their choice and Slightly fewer that volunteer, but but many many that do, and the principles that got them there are very very similar to the ones that have worked at startups. So all of it is is converging a little bit. It's really encouraging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you got the employee side, you got the management side, you got talked about how it's working and why it's working and things like that. Um, you know, you mentioned giving a talk at uh, some different conferences, and clearly you're kind of active in this space and. What other kind of resources do you provide to people uh, when people say, hey, Matt, you know, I'd like to get involved in a little bit more of the social impact, workplace philanthropy, you know, in, separate from the current company they're at, but if they wanted to get a job in this space, is there resources that you provide to people? Uh, so I think this space is really exciting. It's changing a lot and it's really growing. It seems like the number of seats that are extant in your CSR, corporate social responsibility space, have not met the demand for them, right? Like I think, I think I, I, I have so many friends who I feel like have said, you know, I really want to work in CSR in-house at a big company, but, uh, you know, maybe there's two people that do it and, you know, both of them have been doing it for 10 years at this company and we're waiting for a seat to fill up. I do think a lot of companies are now, are now uh, expanding those, those teams. Uh, some companies are, are building them for the first time, but it, it hasn't been at the rate of like the people looking to do that kind of work. 
I would say, and and this is just from our vantage point in the ecosystem, there there are a couple different ways to you know even if those seats aren't available for folks who are looking to work there, a couple different ways to really get to know the space really well. I think working on the nonprofit side is one of them. Like if you have the the ability to to even just like lean in as like a real pro bono volunteer and understand how nonprofits work, how they think about partnerships, how they think about uh, how they think about grants, like that's an invaluable learning experience. I, looking back, I wish I had done more of that before I started on this project because that has, I, I'm still constantly learning from from my nonprofit partners and friends about the things that we could be doing with corporates to make that really helpful. Could you go into more detail on that in terms of the, the learnings and the yeah. lessons there? You know, I think, and like a lot of people, I think when I first started working on this project, I would have told you, hey, volunteering's great. Volunteering's great, full stop, right? Um, anytime somebody's going to give their time, it's a win for the nonprofit and for the person. So let's just figure out how to get the most number of people to volunteer, and that's it. What you, what you come to understand, though, is, and this makes a lot of sense, anytime you're, you're facilitating volunteerism, Anytime 20 people are going to come to your nonprofit's office and you have a half day with them and to ask, you know, they're like, okay, what do we do now? That requires some time, right? You, you, like, that nonprofit person is now planning for those 20 people to come in. They've coordinated with them who's going to be there. They've come up with the agenda for the half day. They uh, have some goal that they need to reach by having those people. S- somebody's time was now used for... Um, to, to, to both plan and host that group. Now, that works really well if the nonprofit program is set up to utilize that manpower. Mm-hmm. Think like meal prep or meal service. We, we simply need hands to prep the food and hand the food out. That's really great. In a lot of cases though, and think about a lot of nonprofits that we talk about a lot, like, the, the actual program that the nonprofit is running might not necessarily need volunteers all the time. Like take uh, the Ali Fournay Center, for instance, right? Like there was the one that I mentioned at our event on Tuesday. They are uh, the, the largest network of homeless shelters for LGBTQ plus youth in the country. They have many, many shelters uh, across New York. And they have full-time professional staff people that are working with their clients who who are at risk and and frankly need professional people right and it's a bit of a lift for them to then coordinate and facilitate a big group of people coming in and volunteering and uh this is my long-winded way of saying the 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 irr of the dollar that you could donate to afc is you know, perhaps way more significant than the hour that you might be able to spend with them. And so what, what we try and spend a lot of time doing for the companies in our program is thinking really critically and helping to, helping to structure our program so that the IRRs are, are equivalent, right? That, mm. the, that the volunteerism that folks are going to be doing is impactful and that they can walk away knowing, because I don't think anybody wants to volunteer and know that it's not impactful. And we want to make sure that that happens. How do we, how do we like put the guardrails up to suggest like, Hey, like this engagement is going to be really great, but like 
this other engagement, like probably not as helpful. And I know that you just want to be helpful, you know, mm -hmm. that's just like one of the things yeah. that I feel like you learn pretty quickly. And th so then you mentioned nonprofit experience would be helpful. Um, and I kind of cut you off there. What other things do you think would be helpful to, uh, kind of get involved given the dynamic of there's not enough seats, but you know, what kind of experience? Yeah, there are, um, you know, there are networks out there of folks who are passionate about this work. One that comes to mind is be social change in New York. They do a ton of panels and events. They have communities of folks who are thinking about impact work at companies. And then frankly, I don't know that there is a substitute for getting to know people who are doing the work and, and, and meeting them, you know, like I, <laughs> I, you know, what I found is that it's not a very big community, but the community is very giving. And I think for a lot of the folks that we partner with, they're, they're so giving of their time and their expertise and their, and their knowledge that, uh, I think there's a lot to be learned just from, just from getting to know somebody who's, who's been on the, on the operator side, thinking about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, and we talked about skills, relationships, some resources, uh, we talked about the impact that you're having, how you're empowering people at companies to uh, go deeper on the causes and and create programs for the causes that they're interested in. Um, is there anything else in this space that you think is uh, worth talking about? As as you mentioned, it's it's an emerging field. Um, you know, anything else that you think is notable? Well, I think that the space is going to look, it, it looks different today than it did a year or two ago. I think it's going to look different in the next couple years too. Um, what do I mean by that? Raised by us, we're, we're very focused on employee engagement. We think of that as the building block of any impact program. Like people come to work, how are they thinking about the company's mission and values as they apply to them and whatever we want that to mean? Uh, and there are tons of ways to translate that. We think about translating that through giving and volunteering, but there are all sorts of things that are built on top of that, that make an impact program. I think Harvard business review at one point did a review of corporate social responsibility programs and considered employee philanthropy, workplace philanthropy, stage one of three stages. The second stage was how a business makes its own strategic investments in community orgs and projects, right? So that's your more typical corporate philanthropy. So now in, in, in addition to supporting our employees, we're now making grants. And then the, the third piece was how, how do we change our business in order to solve social problems, right? That's, that's the highest order calling, I think. I think we're a, we're a fossil fuels company that's now investing very heavily in cleaner energy, right? Like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've gone from supporting people who work here to, uh, to making investments directly to like now we're changing the world with our product. I think, I think what we're finding now is businesses are starting up and they're, they're skipping to step two, step three, which is awesome, right? I think it's our thesis that from an employee engagement perspective, it's good employee engagement to always 
have step one. And I think we're finding that even the most mission-driven companies, they start out being mission-driven and HR leaders scratch their heads sometimes. They're like, why are people not feeling engaged? It's because, well, maybe like, people want to touch and feel their impact a little bit more frequently than just knowing they're working towards a common goal. It's like really hard, like we're human and we want that catharsis. Um, but I also think the way that we, the way that companies tell the stories of their impact is changing really quickly. I think we're starting, you know, we're, we, we've, we have historically seen the direct-to-consumer businesses be really good at this because consumers, customers are becoming way more in tune with, um, with impact work and making sure that they're supporting brands that are aligned with their own personal mission values. B2B businesses have lagged a little bit, but we're starting to see that catch up. Um, you know, now like folks are assessing vendors uh, to their business with the same lens that a customer would have, you know, a year or two ago to present. Uh, and then finally, I think we're starting to see too, and we're trying to get caught up on this, some real hard metrics on impact work. So even with just employee engagement, how do we tell the story of uh, because of the Raise by Us program or because of your giving and volunteering program, this isn't just about having a picture on LinkedIn of why you should come work here. This is like, hey, we looked at everybody who gave and volunteered this year. More people gave and more people volunteered because you now have a program. But not only that, like not only was this really great for the world, but the people who gave and volunteered have identified that they love their coworkers more. They uh, have suggested that your business is more aligned with their mission and values and they want to work here longer, right? Like I think companies were very early days and companies really digging into the metrics on this like they would any other investment. And I, I suspect that as the investment becomes deeper and deeper in this type of work that we're gonna need to get caught up on on best practices of how to record and report on some of this work. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, that's very exciting. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, well before you let listeners know where they can, how they can follow up and support, any last quote or any last thing to the person that's listening that's like, I love this mission, you know, how do I get involved? Or is there anything that they could do uh, when they're listening to this to say like, okay, now I want to go do this. Like, is there any, any thoughts on how to, uh, what somebody could do today to have a little bit more social good, workplace philanthropy in their life? Totally. I mean, I think sometimes we are prone to thinking, woe is me, I'm just one person. And again, I told you at the outset that I was one of those people and we found a lot of value in running these programs to the workplace. The reason why we run them through the workplace is because work is different, right? You spend a lot of time with your coworkers. You have different relationships with your coworkers than you do your friends or your family. You open emails from your boss or your coworkers in a way that you don't necessarily open all the emails from like J. Crew or you know Under Armour. Um, so, so to to folks who have causes that they really care about, to folks who go to work and feel like maybe they're missing out on some impact, we'd love to work with you, obviously. And you could find our work on our website. You could reach out to us. We have all sorts of contact forms. We're just raised by us is the URL, and we're on Twitter and Instagram. But none of this like we none of what we're doing is novel workplace philanthropy has been around hundreds of years the united way is a hundred year old organization i would really encourage folks chat with coworkers, chat with hr folks at your business things like giving campaigns 
days of service. All it takes is championship internally. And if you have the bandwidth to be that person, you could potentially unlock a lot of impact in the way that we're doing across our partner companies. But like, we always look to employee champions to help us deliver what we're doing. And it could start with the person who's listening to this right now. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So uh, listener, you can be the champion. Totally. Um, thank you so much, Matt. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, love it. Hey, friend. This episode with Timestamp Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. I'm really excited for you to learn from this episode and would love to hear any thoughts from you and continue the conversation where I post this episode on many different social channels. Please subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast for my weekly Portfolio Career Podcast show. And really excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.